Before we get started with the current episode, we just want to address the subject matter in this book. It just so happens that this book takes place in a fictional post-apocalyptic version of the Middle East, which is currently the location of real terrorist attacks, which is taking the lives of so many innocent civilians. So if the subject matter hits too close to home, feel free to skip this episode. We'll still be here when you're ready. We're not trying to make light of the real world situation when covering this book, and we want to be mindful of those of you impacted. Hi guys, welcome back to Book Talk Made Me, the podcast where we're talking about all your favorite books from Book Talk Bookstagram. And I think we even said last week there's like a weird version of TikTok X where there's a book corner. So you know, wherever there's a good book, we're going to get it on this podcast and we're going to talk about it. Now today, we have a very special guest, friend of the podcast, Vivian, joining us today. Woohoo! Hi! I'm very excited to be here. I've been trying to get on the podcast. Since from the creation. Since the beginning. <laughs> So Vivian is joining us today for a live recording. She has not read the book we're going to cover. So I think you guys are going to be in for a treat because you're going to get us coming with our thoughts and feelings. And then you're going to get Vivian's live reactions and takes to be like, wait, hold up. What happened? Yeah. I'm going to have lots of opinions already. Can't wait. Can't <laughs> we wait. love opinions. We live for them. To hear it. And Vivian is Bridget's bestie. Yes. Long time bestie. 12 of- years. I'm glad you knew that because I was going to say 10. I did the math before we started. I figured it was going to come you, up. Thank you. Thank you. Did you guys this is gonna come up. bond over smutty books or no. was it something else? We met the summer before our senior year of high school at Girl State. Shout out to Girl State. And I don't Girl, remember the full Girl song, State. but I remember the beginning of the song. It's like, not a Girl Stater says hello. And that's the rest. It's like a knockoff of like brownies or like girl <laughs> so what girl state is, is basically um mock government the american legion auxiliary is it i have no recollection it's a veterans club lodge that they have throughout all of the states and each community basically hosts and sponsors girls to go to the capital to do mock government and then they have oh. a national version of it. So we met at FSU because we were doing mock version for Tallahassee. Oh, so nice. we were living on the same floor. So each floor is a different city in Florida. And then you elect your leaders. Everyone gets a fake business or a fake position. I think I was like director of Capitol Police. I think it was attorney general, something like that. Yeah. So then cool. we spent like a week in Tallahassee playing out these roles and learning and meeting officials and, you know, doing all the good things that you do as a pre-senior of high school. I like that you guys had like a theme song for this. Yeah. There was a lot of songs. Oh, yeah. And we have like a little pin and a badge and we took formal photos. Wow. I was a model UN and went to the UN and we did not have a theme song for this. shame. I know. It really is like this was an opportunity. It was a missed opportunity. I did none of this. Yeah. And then we uh, both happened to go to Florida State. So yep. we reconnected as freshmen when we got there. The rest is history. Oh, and now you're here. <laughs> and now I'm on a book talk podcast. Now she's is- the godmother of my child. So Yes. Yes. Also. Thanks, girl oh. state. <laughs> <laughs> well, we are so excited to have you here because tonight we are talking about War, the second book in the Four Horsemen book series. Now, we covered the first book, Pestilence. Oh, we try to pestilence. give it our best nickname of Pesty. And I don't think it was really working. Because Pestilence, like, Pestilence is like disease. Yep. Right? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Yep. And she has also, sex with him. Yep. He's not diseased. 
He's very good looking. Apparently he's very good looking, but he can give disease. It's like he as he rides his lone steed, very take my horse to the old town road as he just like wanders through the town and then in his I can just watch I could like hear and see the gallop and the shoulders and the bouncing and the swaying. It sounded like he was just like at a slow trot at best. It's like she picked him, sniped him right out of the woods, and she's not like an army sniper. Um also I think it is a missed opportunity that the series is not called the Horsemen. Yes, I one hundred percent agree. Because now that you said the four horsemen, I was like, "Oh, that sounds kind of lame." But the four horsemen. horsemen. Now that's a book. That's that's a series. Now we're on to something. Death by horsemen. A huge dick. This is what pestilence looks like. Okay. Great. And now we have a visual control. Now she knows what we're talking about. So we're actually talking about not pestilence. We're talking about war. You got to show him a picture. His baby brother. Yeah. Very Khal Drogo. Yes. Not in this photo. I hate that the covers that they put, like the cover models that they put for the the books, they just don't do it for me. No. He looks like Seth with eyeliner from Zodiac Academy. (laughs) That's what I pictured. Absolutely. He's very like kind of Twilight referencey, but kind of like like he look looks like he should be sparkling kind of a thing. Yeah, like he's got a weirdly gray skin. Yeah, he does have glowing tattoos. Mm, okay, no, we're talking about like this man's highlighter on his face. It, it's 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 sickly a little bit. Well, he's a dead horseman. <laughs> Maybe he's tired him. of killing people. No, he's not. I see the I see the gray ghoulish factor. I mean, I think he's hotter than Pestilence. Absolutely. Who unfortunately really? reminds me of Mickey Rourke. Well, okay, that's on you because you get Mickey Rourke. I get Chris Hemsworth. Show her the picture for reference and Vivian can determine whether I'm wrong or not. I just did. You'll once you see a picture of him, you'll see it and be like, okay, I can see the bone structure. However, in my head, war is cold. Cold Drago from Game of Thrones. Uh-huh. I don't know that I have an opinion, to be honest. Okay. Wait, did you just say Jason Momoa is not cute? No. Oh, I heard he's not that cute, and I said, "Wait, hold on. What? Are you? That's a I'm universal to decide- fact. That's not an opinion Gosh. situation. Are you projecting feelings? I felt a little bit. Like- no. I was outraged on behalf of my man. All right. Well, let's get into what happened in this book so our dear friend Vivian, who has no clue what we're going to talk about, can weigh in appropriately. Bridget, can you take us through with a dramatic retelling as best as possible the of the book synopsis? The dramatic interpretation of the book synopsis. And scene. They came to earth. Pestilence, war, famine, death. Four horsemen riding their screaming steeds racing to the corners of the world four horsemen with the power to destroy all of humanity they came to earth and they came to end us all the day jerusalem falls miriam knows her life is over houses are burning the streets run red with blood and the traitorous army is massacring every last resident there's no surviving this especially not once miriam catches the eye of war himself but when the massive and terrifying horseman corners Miriam, he calls her his wife, and instead of killing her, he takes her back to the camp. Now Miriam faces a terrifying future, one where she watches her world burn town by town, and the man responsible for her, for it all, is her seemingly indestructible husband. But there's another side to him, one that's gentle and loving and dead set on winning her over, and she might not be strong enough to resist. However, if there's one thing Miriam has learned, 
It's that love and war cannot exist, coexist. And so she must make the ultimate choice, surrender to war and watch humankind fall or sacrifice everything and stop him. (laughs) You did so good. I tell you, that was such a strong start. Thank you. Thank you. I have like, a lot to live all around. <laughs> snaps all around. We snapped, but you couldn't see us because we had muted because, you know, we laugh too much every time we have our serious voices. Well, you know, I get to the part where he's like, he's going to take her as a wife and I'm like, let's go. Giddy up. <laughs> all right. So now you have a baseline for what this book is about. Let's get into thoughts and feelings on this one. Who wants to kick us off? Um, I can go. Go so I it. did finish. I did finish before the recording. Congratulations. It Go was ahead. gonna be it was gonna be tight there. Although I did skim a lot. To be fair, I also skimmed a lot. There was a lot to be skimmed in yeah, this one. Yeah, right. Also, this had the audacity to be a hundred pages longer than like the first book. I'm so like, much longer. It got a little bit boring, like in the middle, but I was still enjoying myself a lot more than when I was reading pestilence. Yeah. Speaking of, it I think it's better than pestilence, but clearly it's not a Pulitzer Prize winner. No, no. That's not what we're dealing with better? here. I don't know if it was better. Yeah, because war is superior to pestilence. Uh, like, he made brunette. me dumb and horny. I would take him, basically. That's true. Mm-hmm. I mean, who? I'm not kicking him out of the bed. Who yeah. am I kidding? Nope. And it has all the tropes that I am a sucker for. That's true. It's the pregnancy so, that fucked me up. I'm not going to lie. Yeah. Okay, well, I ignored that because up until the point when I wrote my notes, I hadn't realized she was pregnant the one bad enemies to lovers touch her i kill you hot dark-haired man that kind of maybe like grunts but he's also educated since he knows all the languages in the world i did ever appreciate existed, that including that, dead ones when you're like a polyglot right when you know right? so many different languages so anyway also she did not just like randomly throw out shakespeare and other she was less Whatever's. annoying than sarah yeah by far because she was like self-sufficient she was self-sufficient she was yeah. and she was super funny i was exactly she didn't say the word shitter once no but she did get concerned after giving him head and swallowing the cum she was like oh god i have superhuman horseman semen inside of me i should be concerned and i chuckled fair because i would also yeah. be concerned yeah I-, I don't know if i give it a second thought if i'm being honest <laughs> i mean out of all the things you can be concerned about We've got a lot on our plate. So you know? that was my problem. Was like she was concerned about that for swallowing, but she wasn't concerned when it was up inside of her in her womb. And I'm like, no wonder why. Well, Bridget, you're dumb and horny, horny, ma'am. You are just dumb and horny. I was gonna say, I was like, what is your first note? Turns dumb out, and horny. I am dumb and horny because I was like, hello, war has the makings of a checklist boyfriend for me. Brunette, hot, troubled. <laughs> Looks like Jason Momoa. What more do you need? So I, I am dumb and horny. I love the troubled is top three. Yes, because it's something to work towards. I believe you said you would drop your panties for him in a heartbeat. Oh, yes, I would. Like, I would. Quote, end quote <laughs> from your notes. Um, I would surrender my panties, ma'am, because <laughs> the big theme in this book is that he wants her to surrender to him before they can have sex. And I would. I would surrender. Like, here's my panties. Take me now. It did. It did take her a while to surrender. That's the part that got a little bit of boring. Yeah, because then it got repetitive. I was like, okay, yeah. how much like oral are we going to have here? So I am going to say this one thing. And 
this is just my fault for trying to make logic of this ridiculous storyline. Because <laughs> love conquers all. But they're kind of falling for mass murderers and being kind oh, of chill about look, it. Look, I, I liken it to Pretty Woman. Richard Gere falls for a stripper with a heart of gold. They are following for mass murder, unintentional mass murderers with a heart of gold. I forget. You guys are not dark romance readers. This is like normal day for us. Normal day for I'm not a not dark romance reader. Look, dark mafia romance reader, like he can kidnap me, take him to his basement and beat me. And then I will still be like, hi. She's like, oh, did I drop that? Hold on. The silence is really loud. (laughs) She's in my I, in my head, I'm just like, okay. No, you know I was asking, what's a good mafia romance? We're going to need a dumb and horny sticker. Oh, yes. Let's put that in the nose. It's hilarious. <laughs> dumb and horny. I love that. So I was into the tension and the world building about war. I love that these books, <clears throat> which is not Bridget's favorite trope, where we pick up and end several years later. So this book comes to us, I think it's like four or five years later after Pestilence. Then war wakes up and he starts waging war. I was a little intrigued that he seemed to be doing it the old school way. Like he was like, on horses, we ride into town to pillage with like a zombie twist. I feel like he addressed that or that was addressed. He did. So he does have the power to like use his dead to kind of kill everybody. But then he was like, I like being around humans, even though I hate humans. So I just started collecting them in a war band. Right. Like, he's like, I have a crew that I'm going to use. Like, I thought he would have came with his own crew. Not like, I'm going to adopt a crew, use them to conquer the world slowly by horseback, traveling with a tent of people. You know what I mean? I just thought, yeah, like, like, can we be more efficient? I mean, I don't want you to be more efficient. Was it like a Genghis Khan vibe? It was very Genghis Khan. The horde? Yes. Very Genghis Khan. Yeah, I... I mean, we probably shouldn't be trying to make logic of this, but... We, no, we shouldn't, but we will, because that's we who will. we are. Um, and I know we spoke a lot about The Walking Dead in the last book. We we're like, ooh, this is very Walking Dead with, like, the desolate cities. But this book had it, like, literal the Walking Dead. Walking Dead. He'd be like, all right, this war's ended. I'm going to raise the dead up. Like, horse carcasses were getting, like, bone, ho- bony horses are wandering through the town. And you're like, uh, okay. I was going to say, that was an unexpected twist, which I didn't hate. Yeah, I, w- I wasn't expecting it at all, but the- it's very visual. and It was, if- it was new. It was new. It's the visual new. I kept getting, I don't know if anyone's familiar with Hotel Transylvania. Yes. There's like the zombie yep. uh-huh. bellhop. That's who I kept picturing as like the bodyguards that are trying to like shuffle her places between <laughs> the tent. I forgot about that. <laughs> Undead uh, people just protecting her. Right. Stinky. They were very stinky. She noted no, that why multiple she's times. Up so much. To me, the story I felt got a bit repetitive and it's starting to feel formulaic in the way that we kind of know that this happened. So very much so. Girl is surviving. A girl has a run in with a horseman. She's going to try to kill him, but he's intrigued that she tried to kill him, which is different somehow from the other people that have tried to kill him so, up to this point. And then, and then she's going to rebel and then- parts fuck her and kill her. But the girl wants to also fuck him and kill him. And then there's sex. There's feels. There's death. There's love. There's betrayal. Yeah. And then she dies. And then he brings her back to life. So one of the things I forgot, I don't think we mentioned during Pestilence, was he decided to keep her because the light hit her tent a certain way and he saw a symbol that was like on his chest. And the same thing happened in this book too, where they're getting like the symbol, the sign 
And I think hers had something to do with like the Hamsa. And mm. they're taking that as a sign as like that is my God given no, person. Is the scar. Yeah, she the, had a yes, scar, scar on her on neck. Her neck. Yes. yes. Was the same markings that translated to surrender in his angelic, angelic language. language. The Hamza is the bracelet that she has. Yeah, yeah. Her projection. Somehow. Yeah. Interesting, because I had that as a note. Because I'm like, he saw her and instantly was like, hello, wife. And she was like, what the fuck? And he called her that instantly. So I, I wondered, like, was he supposed to have a wife? Like, how would he know? Like, my purpose is to bring war to the city, but also I'm going to have a wife. Like, how are those two directives the same? These are the questions I have. Again, we have Hilda telling me, don't make logic of this book. And Hold on. Let me call on God. Hello. <laughs> that was my first question also when I was given the basics of the book. I was like, he says, what? I'm like, why Why is she the wife? Automatically, he decides she's the wife. So. She's the marking for God, I guess. Interesting. Also, sorry. Can we go back to you said, did she re- – she dies and he brings her back to life? Yeah. Is that something that happened? Yeah. Okay. Well, so, she, he, well, yeah, it was like a dies, bargain. And okay. then he goes to his brother, Death, who is one of the horsemen and says, I'm willing to give up my position as war, as a horseman, if you bring her back and the baby. Mm-hmm. And she's like, are you sure you want to do that? You're going to give up everything? And he goes, yes. And then boom, boom, she has resurrected gotcha. along with their baby. And there's no repercussions to that situation. Why would there be? No. <laughs> it's just logic. Got it. And the war. Got it. Love conquers all. But Love the other conquered war. Come. I will leave my divine mission for a piece of ass. <laughs> I don't know. I think that's the part I struggle with these books a little bit where they're so They're so gun ho on so their mission. They're so dug in that this is my divine mission for – percent of this book yes and then they're suddenly like i will flip on a dime so i feel like with pestilence he you started seeing his like changes and consideration for what he was doing was wrong mm-hmm. earlier in the book yeah and then i felt like this one you know you were seeing her do all of these things that were rebelling and trying to show him that humanity was worth saving but he didn't start considering it until like after she got pregnant i feel like so you guys know i did not love the pregnancy in this and it's not that i hate the pregnancy trope i just hate it that they brought it up about him potentially having kids with all the other lovers that he's had and it was like oh they're gonna talk about consent they're gonna talk about protection and then they just like went right around that entire conversation decided to start hooking up and never talked then they're having sex day and night. Wham, bam, thank you, ma'ams. And then when you get sick and have morning sickness, you're like, oh, no, what could be wrong with me? And then you're like, oh, shit, I must be pregnant. No. The amount of sex that they were having in that time period. I was like, no, duh, you're pregnant. Like but fucking then- like rabbits, I feel, is the appropriate term, <laughs> terminology. Yes. yes, lots of fucking like rabbit. But then what bugged me even more was that it took her until after she got pregnant to realize that she loves him. When she almost died the first time, I thought yeah. she literally said, oh, I have so much I need to tell him. I was like, oh, girl caught feelings. Let's say it. Let's say I love you. I like you. Nothing. Just also like you're in a post-apocalyptic world. Tomorrow's not a given. Maybe we just say these things quicker. You know how yeah. you rationalize? Um, yeah. All of this. We logic this. How? Dumb and horny. Dumb yep. and horny. <laughs> are we it's dumb true. and horny? Correct, correct. Well, those are my things. 
All right. Well, let's move us on to world building. So take us through what part I, – I, this is actually something I liked – that we are dropping off into different parts of the world. So in, in Pestilence's book, we started in uh, Canada, I think Western Canada. So and yeah, then- Pestilence started actually in North America. He started in Miami and made his way up the East Coast and then into Canada. And right, now he's on the West Coast. adventures with Sarah, she met up with him in Canada. Correct. Now, this horseman, War, he awoke, awoke, awoken, woke up. He woke up. <laughs> I love that they came. <laughs> I love that they came to Earth and like promptly took naps. Yeah. I mean, I wake up in the morning and I promptly want to take a nap. So I get it. Earth is exhausting. So, exhausting. so he woke up around the top of Vietnam and made his way, I'm assuming through Asia into the Middle East and in current day in the book, we are in New Palestine, which was formerly Israel. So we're this is taking place when they first meet in Jerusalem. This is year 13 of the horsemen. We know in I think year seven or year five, pestilence reawoke. He made his way. He was stopped and disappeared, but we know it's because he fell in love and had a family and gave up his position. So that's a bit, a bit, little bit of the world building. Right. And I think we said it earlier, like four or five years goes by between the end of Pestilence and the start of war. Yes. Which is also like a really fucked up long amount of time. It's like it's a long enough time for you to get comfortable that – Oh, maybe the horsemen forgot about us. Well, isn't that the whole point, though? So you give the population enough time to redeem itself because... Oh, is that the intention? Yeah. That was the whole point. So the first time that the four horsemen woke up and went through the land and did everything that they did and went to sleep immediately is because they had to give time for the population to rebuild and give them a chance to see if they will do what they're supposed to do, but they still were shit people. And so then Pestilence woke up and he started his process. And then he was like, this humanity is not worth saving. Then he decided he fell was, in love. and he fell in love and he wanted to give the people a chance. And then so he went to live his life and war still woke up because people are still shit people. Yep. Yeah. All right. So it's a good recap on the world. <clears throat> Vivian, so- how are you thus far? So good. So it's war also gives up his so pestilence, I mean, had also given up his stuff. He gave up his, his position for pussy, okay. yeah. So so I'm seeing a trend. Yes. Yeah. This book you like as after I read it, I was like, wow, this is exactly like the first book, just a little different. Mm-hmm. Just like a little different seasoning. It had the same uh, formula. This sure. is like garlic parmesan and last week we had lemon pepper. Right. <laughs> Presumably next week we're just With getting salmon buffalo. We'll probably get some mes- <laughs> mesquite barbecue. Guys, that just made me hungry. I am kind of hungry. I'm not going to lie. No, I can go me for some too. wings, I'm being honest. Grilled. Some mango habanero wings from mm-hmm. Buffalo Wild Wings. Ooh, they hit. So good. Okay, so when we first um, start off this book, we are introduced to – her name is Miriam. She grew up in Jerusalem. Her dad is Muslim, and her mom is Jewish, and so – they live in a, I think she had a blended family. I honestly don't remember. After everything happened with the horsemen, her dad died during one of the power outages and a bus ran him over. The mom, her sister, and her tried to flee. 
And on their way out of the country, they got into a boat accident and she assumes her mom and her sister are dead. So when she woke up by a miracle of God, I guess, she returns to Jerusalem to her family home and has been living there since then for the past couple of years. And she's fending for herself. She goes through trash and garbage to find things to turn into weapons. And then she sells them for money. And that's how she makes a living. She's completely yeah, I think by it was herself. Like specifically bows and arrows is what she yeah. specializes in. And I think she does like daggers and stuff like that. She's like dabbled yeah. a little bit here and there and stuff, but she basically makes homemade weapons and she sells them on the black market. Apparently guns don't really work anymore. Yes, because they backfire. Oh, yeah, that was an interesting that, that was, was an interesting tidbit. They said like guns had become so unreliable for whatever reason. I think it's just like the misfirings where people didn't have an ironically enough of them. Uh, they became unreliable and people stopped using them because they had a tendency to backfire on you. Right. And so the first time that the horsemen came through the world, power went out. They ran out of gas. All these random things started to stop happening. Technology stopped working. So they regressed as a society. They used carrier pigeons to deliver messages and running water as a luxury. So we know during the accident, she had received a scar on her neck. We come to find out that the scar is important because it looks like a symbol that he takes as the word surrender. So he believes that is a sign of God, um, that that's why she should be the wife. Are we almost supposed to take this as it was intentionally by God that she got into this accident and got the scar to be yep. actually be yes. meant for wars? So as the story oh, I didn't go on, that deep. Oh, I assumed that's what it was. It was like if – if war could be changed, then humanity could be saved. Like, if he's the worst in humanity, can a normal human is. convert him over? Yeah, that's the whole point, I guess, throughout all the books. Is like, she's the girl is always trying to show him that humanity is worth saving, and he's on the mission to kill out all of humanity because he thinks it's his mission from God. But God's mission actually is is to determine if humanity is worth saving, not just destroy humanity. As she's out looking for new weapons, she travels and she spots war galloping into Jerusalem. And she realizes he has an entire army with him. And instead of fleeing, she decides to return to try to help as many people as she can. And she goes back to her apartment, tries to get as many weapons as she can, even though they ransacked it. She sees him and she immediately thinks, I'm going to kill him. And he immediately whips his head around, spots her, and starts following her and basically tracks her down. And instead of killing her, as soon as he gets a good look at her, he's like, my wife. And you're like, whoa, hello, a trope I love. Immediately, my man. And she was also like, what? She's very resistant. She's like, no, what? This is stupid. Who are you? Right. She's very turned off by the mass killings. As, wow. as one should be. <laughs> Correct. Because, you know, at this point, she's not dumb and horny. She's smart. A tad bit horny. See what men do to us. I Classic. Know. It is true. So he takes her back to the camp. He drops her off. He says, you'll be fine just when they come. Swear the oath because what he does is take cap- cap- captives. And then he tells them, you have the choice to die or to join my band camp. Um, is it called band camp or is it called a work band? It's, just, it's a war camp. A war camp? I don't know. Band why. camp. Is like band camp. Reference. I feel like at one point they said like band in there some point. War band know. maybe is what war you band. A war and band. Then, and okay. then I heard camp and war camp as like well. Like the people are combined. a war band and then they have a war camp. Sure. Yeah. And then he goes back and he finishes 
killing off all the people in Jerusalem. And then he comes back and there's an entire line of people who have to make this decision. And when he Again, gets up there. which is weird to me. He was like, I'm going to conquer you and then make you join my cause or I'll kill you. Either way, I'm going to kill you. So and she so- mainly thinks it's weird that he has all of these followers. And she's like, how can they do this? How can they she- turn against humanity? Right. But then she realizes they have no other choice. It's live or die. Mm-hmm. But she's not thinking that far ahead. He goes up to her or she goes up to him. And then he starts speaking in one of his languages and everyone's shocked because she can understand him. And that was the first sign that like they were meant to be together. That he's There was some divine intervention that allowed them to communicate in his ancient dead languages, which I do appreciate that she wrote. And I went all the way to the end, Bridget, like you've taught me. With the author's note. Good job. Yeah, to the author's note where she said they were all made up languages, but she did apparently take eight, like an ancient language course, which she failed. But she did take this class in college, and so used, she used ancient languages as her like base, her baseline for making up these languages. Because reading this, like I look, we are not a podcast known for great pronunciations, so I wasn't even going to attempt to say some of these things. So you could have told me that they were like ancient Sumerian, and I would have been like, yeah, that's what it looked like. Yeah. I wouldn't know, but I appreciate that she went the extra mile to. To make it feel more authentic. To like try to legitimize it. Yeah. She right. did say that there was two phrases that were actual translations in an actual language. And I think the first one was Ada or something, whatever he calls her as my wife. That was my a, wife. A, yeah. An actual And surrender, I think, were the two. Yeah, maybe. That makes sense. Um, yeah. And then she's given, uh, she joins the camp. And what does she get in return? So she gets a tent with a dead person's belongings. And. Someone takes her under the wing, explains how everything is done, and she's like, "I, if I'm going to live here, I'm going to do good to the people and try to stop him. So they continue on with their journey. He's raiding towns left and right. Um, so the part of our notes that this is, it's called Raiding and Riding War because she's going with him. <laughs> riding in more than one sense, I'm guessing. Yes. Is that where we're going? <laughs> raiding and Riding War. Absolutely, 100%. So the well first done. raid. <laughs> thank you, thank you. I was trying to be clever because last time you coined the term horseman. Yeah. And I was like, I have to come up with something good and this is all I can do. But I'm glad you found it funny because <laughs> it was for you. How many puns can we come up with during this series? Probably a lot. lot. It's like a new challenge. Continue. Every single time you hear a mom pun, take a drink, you'll be drunk. I am out of my wine already. I know. So the first raid, she is supposedly working on his behalf but she's actually shooting his men the second one a girl named zara shoots him in the chest point blank with a shotgun and he's laughing so we know he can't die and she begs him to save zara's life to give her redemption forgiveness mercy um mercy there we go wow so Zara joins the group. She goes back to the war camp. She has no other choice if she wants to live. The second one, well, actually that same night, I'll just like pivot into like a different part of the story really quickly. That same night when she gets back to the war camp, a group of men from the camp sneaks into her tent and attempts to rape her. And then when they realize that she's going not going down without a fight, she fights back. They start beating the shit out of her and she starts crying out for help. And nobody in the tent, because like it's a whole bunch of tents, like in the middle of the desert, There's no walls. Everybody can hear you. No one goes to try to save her. And then he comes, war himself, hears her, comes and saves her. And he punishes the men. He takes her to his tent and he starts healing her. So we find out that 
he has the ability to heal and kill. So that was nice. And so they have their moment. She's been sleeping in his tent healing for a couple of days. And she's starting to see the softer side of him. She thinks she can change him. She's begging him. She decides she's going to make a deal with him. She's like, I know you want me. You want me as your wife. And if you want to have sexual favors with me, if you want to have sex with me, you have to make a deal with me. So she tries to get him to stop raiding towns. And he says, no, that's foolish, but I am tempted. So then she settles on, if you stop burning down the aviary, aviaries, a- aviaries, which is where they send out all the messages for the birds. Yes. Because she's thinking so that was like one of the tactics. Get the aviaries kept for not burned and pillaged. Then the towns can get messages out to other towns to leave or flee before war gets there. So that's how she realized that nobody knows war is coming because he's stopping communications as soon as he enters into the town and then killing off everybody. So that was the deal. Then she gives him or he gives her a happy ending and then she gives him head. And then that's when she was like concerned about this horseman semen. And I was like, you swallowed. Is a watermelon going to grow in your stomach? Like, come on. Yeah. I feel like if you Sounds swallow like, like a watermelon seed. You should be more concerned with going the opposite seed. direction. Yeah, right. So while all that's happening, they're growing a relationship, but she's still trying to fight him on the other end. After that, they start having a relationship together. She moves into her own tent, but it's next door to him because he still wants to protect her. So we see that touch her and you die trope. His men are like pissed off because she's getting all this attention and he doesn't like them. He also raises the dead to protect her. But then she does a few other things to defy him. So when the next town happens and they're doing the raid, she goes and she tries to send a message through the birds because he left that. His men find her. So he has like a group of like extra warriors that kind of like lead the war with him and they are trying to kill her. So he finds her, saves her and then takes her back to the, to the tent and heals her. And then he goes super like, nobody can see you. I'm keeping you to myself. I can't even trust my own men. And that's when he raises the dead. Yeah. Lots of raiding, healing, fucking raiding, healing, fucking minor negotiations here and there save this person, please don't save this person, do this for this person, and which he he does. You do see him... Uh, Begrudgingly so. Right. So this is the second so, time. He just makes some saves. He saves her. And she, while she was like almost at death's door, she's like, oh, I wish I had more time to set, tell something in war. So this is where I thought she was catching feelings like, I love you feelings. No. She goes back to the tent. She says, I surrender because he doesn't want to have sex with her until she surrenders to him because he thinks that's the sign that he needs from God. So they end up having sex like all day, all night. They're traveling, stopping over, pulling over an entire like war camp to in the middle of commute to like bang on the side of the desert, I guess, in the middle of the desert, everywhere. I was like, okay, good for you. No talk about protection, even though they had talked about it previously because she was like, you might have babies all around this camp. And she was jealous. Dumb and horny. Dumb and horny. horny. I'm assuming she swallowed some like semen and got stupid, like stupider stupider she was smart she was smart well i mean she was smart at the point because she was swallowing them babies it's tr- i guess true <laughs> i guess it's true i mean you don't know how horseman conception works to be fair to be fair no, nothing no. none of it makes sense he's a magical being so she continues to find them even though they're together after one of the raid before one of the raids she leaves in the middle of the night and she's like i'm gonna get ahead of the situation she's gonna go wake up everybody in the town and tell them to flee get out of here he wakes up and realizes she's not there 
And he goes to find her in the middle of the town. And as her punishment, he raises the dead and kills everybody in the town. And so she's pissed. They go back to the camp. They have some makeup sex. And then in the, after the sex and they're cuddling, she tries to stab him with his own sword, which he thought was like the worst crime against all of humanity because that was his sword. And how dare she try to kill him with that? The man can't die. Anyhow, he pulls her out into the middle of the war camp the next day and he's going to punish her. And as her punishment for trying to kill him, he raises the dead and kills majority of the war camp, but she doesn't know it's not everybody. And so she is feeling the grief because her friend Zara is there and her Zara's nephew, which he also saved during one of the raids. I forgot to tell you guys about, she begged him to save the nephew. She was like, Oh my God, my best friend is gone. Her nephew's gone. All these kids that have been living on the camp is gone. So she's feeling all that grief and responsibility. And then you see all of the innocents walk up afterwards. So like, that's a bit traumatic. I kind of hated him for that. I was like, I don't know if he deserves redemption after that one. Because that was a fucked up move. This is the part that I struggled with him the most. Like, he was not doing it for me. Like, he had his redemptions, but they weren't. He was know. too much of mad mass murderer, dude. Yeah. To Bridget's point, with Pestilence, once we met Ruth and Rob. Yeah. He was clearly embracing the human parts of his nature. It seems like war had like dabbled in the carnal pleasures of being a human, right. but it took him a while to get the emotional parts out. So after this, they're fully separated. She moves into a tent next to her friend. He still has his undead guarding her. He completely stops talking to her. She sees him in passing. They're like done, done. And then she starts getting sick and she's losing weight and she's not feeling well. And so- She's when she starts up throwing up, you're like, he please. comes to the tent and he's like, what's wrong? And then he takes her back and tries to heal her. And he lets her rest. And she's like, I missed you. I'm sorry. Um, and so they make up. I I think they have makeup sex. I don't remember. I'm assuming I, they I'm did. Sure, I think they do. And yeah, then she do. realizes. Because he's like, not in your condition. She was like, to hell with that. I'm good to go. Yeah, so she he's like, I'm going to bring a doctor for you. She goes, no, I don't want to see a doctor because at that point, after they've made up, she realizes, oh, shit, I should have gotten my period. And then when she fully realizes she's pregnant, she tries to run away from him after they've made up. And then he tracks her down. And then she reveals that she's pregnant. And he's like, oh, my God, my baby is in there. So then he starts having like these human emotions. And then this is where he starts kind of changing. At this point, she still hasn't said I loved you yet, but he's like basically sacrificing everything for her. Girl gets pregnant. She's parading around like she's the queen of the war camp. His men are upset, but well, we don't know Well, she's parading this. around because he has enlisted an army of the dead to mm-hmm. basically encircle her anytime she goes around. It's like you're, she's rolling with an entourage, a stinky, smelly, dead entourage. Killer entourage. True. Yeah. Because they see him starting to change. And they know it's because of her. And they call her mean names. But anyhow, so every single time they go to a raid, a new town, he starts doing things a little different. So first he was bringing all the children back. So then the war camp grew because it was like all these kids and not enough adults. Then he started bringing in the elderly because like they're the elderly. What's wrong with them? Then he started bringing in men and women that were innocent, that had good hearts because he can judge their heart. And so... Then the war camp grew so big that he's like, well, I'm going to dismantle it. So he just drops him off in a city and is like, peace out. And he takes his warriors with him and her. 
And so they're getting concerned because they think he's going to kill them all. But meanwhile, he's having conversations with her. Like, do you think men deserve mercy? And do you think they can redeem themselves if they're killers? And she's like, yes, I think so. And so he was about to let them go as well. And they set a trap for him. They take him out into the middle of the desert. They kill him, plant a whole bunch of bombs around him. So if he wakes up, he keeps dying immediately over and over. And she's like heavily pregnant at this point. And she gets a bad feeling. She realizes something's wrong. And she realized they're trying to kill him. She goes, she tries to save him. She kills a few of them, the guards that he had. Goes, sees all the bombs. And she thinks the best thing for her to do is to get him out of the pit. Because he's in a pit with a bunch of bombs around him. And as she's moving him out, his arm falls and she blows up. There's basically a bunch of grenades encircling his body. And so she, it's a very tricky situation to be down there. Yes. Is there a dinosaur around to eat this arm? <laughs> Seriously? Uh, um, that is the, a callback to a conversation we had off one of the podcast. bones, <laughs> one of the bones of the dinosaurs that was resurrected. I feel like the undead would eat something. That's me a foreshadowing for a future episode. <laughs> that is a fair foreshadowing. Um, yeah, we dabbled in a re- weird realm that came to us outside of this with dinosaurs, you, and we're we're going to get this as a gift. Yes, it started with triceratops and it went to like it took a weird spin, and. Uh, we not stumbled upon something. Yum. Yeah, right. We're not yucking anyone's yum, but we stumbled upon something that made us cry laughing, and so we will. We're gonna bring that to you eventually. Maybe we'll see. It's gonna be no, like X rated, X rated D. So just <laughs> from the the recap of this book, there's a lot of twists and turns that I was not expecting, like a pit full of you know grenades and stuff. I just yeah yeah lots of interesting. Well, they keep you on your toes. Here. Yeah. So he wakes up because his body's regenerating because he can't actually die because he's on this mission to kill humanity and he's one of God's people. And he sees the bracelet that she always wears, which is a Hamza that she has like from her dad. And he realizes it's, it's her and she came to save him. And now he, she's dead. The baby's dead. So he goes to his brother who is death and he's like, bring her back bring her back now and bring back the baby. And we find out the baby was a girl from death. And so he gives up his position as war because he wants to live his life as a human with his wife and their child. It's a very beautiful heartwarming, you know, nice happily ever after. So after they have the baby, like two years afterwards in the epilogue, they go to Crete, which is an Island in Greece and they find her mom and her sister alive and they get to know each other and she introduces war as her husband and the baby is there she's a toddler at that point and then i think a couple years after that he feels the vibrations of another brother waking up and that was the end so does war do pick a new name the way that pestilence did i think he like just randomly throws out names here and there but nothing stuck She's still called war. Yeah, and she war he introduced himself the tongue as better war. than pestilence. So, I mean, yes, but hey, mom, hey, like, sister, that I name? thought you were dead. Uh, this is my husband, War. Well, that's exactly what he said. She was like, "Oh, I should have given them a different name," but he goes, "Oh, I'm War. I'm a horseman." 
He's like, you want to hold the babies? Not subtle. Not subtle. No. He was actually I, like, I, I don't want you to hold my baby. I know. He's, he's a very overprotective father. Which is very cute. And it, did we cover that? Yeah, we did in the beginning that her mom, we thought her mom and sister died on this. So this was like a very happy ending on all fronts. Yes. So, oh, also, we find out throughout the book, like I said, the scar on her neck is from the accident and it looks like the symbol surrender in his native language. So then all throughout the book, he thinks that she needs to surrender to him. And then we realize he needs to surrender to her. So I think it is an overall like message from God, like he needs to learn a lesson as well Mm -hmm. to surrender everyone. These arrogant ass men not realizing that like they need to do something till forever. Of course. But you're still going to be dumb and horny and fuck them. Of course. I mean, (sighs) horny for the horn, I guess. You know what I mean? Horny for the horn. Hemsworth is crawling into my bed at night. Cal Drogo, Jason Momoa. I'm not going to be like, no, thank you. But you see the scar here? Does it mean anything to you? (laughs) (laughs) What about this one? How about this one? This one means my panties are removable. This one means I give good, you know? <laughs> I see some future merch. It was the clicking of the tongue that got me. Well, all that to say, as normal, we kept it unhinged. And we greatly thank our our guest host, Vivian, for joining us today. But it's time to time. get Thanks. to... Oh, good. We're so so happy you could be here for this insanity. Uh, It's time to get to our Spotify questions of the week. So as a reminder, these questions are up on Spotify every week, and they remain for many weeks for every episode we have. So you can go back on there and answer a question we've had that's been up there for ages, and we're going to talk about it live here on the podcast. Um, So the first one is from Paige B. She answered the question. If you could change any one thing about ZA8, what would it be? And she said to – What? I said the book itself. Oh. Uh, I guess quick warning here. Vivian, have you read any of these books? Like, am I spoiling anything for you? Yes. It's spoilers for all of it. It's fine. What are Continue these? On. The Zodiac books? Yeah. No, I haven't read them. No. Okay. We're going to keep going. <laughs> so if you could change one thing about ZA8, what would it be? She said to have it fully be the last book. Seth and Caleb have an actual adult cabin. Oh, let me read that again. To have it fully be the last book. For Seth and Caleb to have an actual adult conversation instead of the miscommunication that they have, and to lastly not introduce a new villain, Cladinius. Paige, I agree. As I'm always. Right on all fronts, as she usually is when she answers these questions. Paige is not wrong. Not wrong. Now, another another dear friend named Kate, C A I T, like myself, not me. Wow. So I see you, girl. I see you as a fellow Kate Lynn. Uh, if you could change one thing about ZA8, what would it be? And she said, I would like also would have liked it to have been the last book. Like it was supposed to be. And Seth, Seth, little like weepy, tear filled eyes. Just like Seth. tear tears or like laughing tears? Like the one where they're like, oh, like the sad tears. Like a um, little welling. I realize you guys, oh, this is an auditory medium. So you guys just hear me going, oh, but I'm trying my best to make it a little sad. <laughs> I eyes as she's poking her eyes out to get yeah, the tear. Yeah, my eyelashes. I'm like, do you see? This is where tears would be if I was that emoji. <laughs> Ugh, unhinged as always. Uh, our good friend Claudia answered the same question, and she said, "Please don't hate me for this, but I think Darius should have stayed dead. It was frustrating to read hours and hours of grieving and then have it be J.K. He's back. His death means nothing." 
I understand the frustration because that was hard to read the beginning for him just to be alive again. However, Darius is my man. The intake I of like breath talk that about that just, before. The intake of breath that you just took, I think, kind of like pierced my eardrum a little bit. Also, you're Claudia, she does not hate you. Just gonna go ahead and say she doesn't hate you. Oh no, there's no hate. Like I get it. That would have been a good book. But also, however, I'm, I'm dumb I and horny like- as we have established. For Darius. <laughs> I feel like that's even something we talked about in the in the podcast or maybe in the Beyond the Veil version of this. We're like, it was really hard to keep reading this man's death. And then they're like, he's back. Guess Which he's I wanted. Back. I wanted. And I, I did guess, scream yeah. a scream when he came back. But, you know. Um, our next question comes to us. Uh, the next question is from Dana Liu. Hello, new friend. A solo blood. She answered a question from a solo blood Nash. Do you like the current Poppy cast Kieran dynamic, or are you as creeped out as the hosts? She said, first Castile lost his character, and then every aspect that made him interesting. Then this happened. It made me yep. very uncomfortable. I never read them as lovers. I'm completely over the whole series. To that we say, girl, we feel you. We're yeah. on the same page. Creeped out. I think, in short, she's as creeped out as the hosts. Yeah. And we're the hosts. It's us. We're creeped out. Yep. She also answered a question from A Court of Silver Flames. Are you also angry at Reese for not telling Feyre how dangerous her pregnancy was? And she said, it's on brand for him and his need to protect everyone. I still dislike it so much that he had to leave... Oh, sorry. I had to take a minute to read this. She disliked it so much that he had to leave her book boyfriend squad and got replaced well this is a good replacement got replaced by the crown prince of the valbaran fey rune dannon crown prince of the valbaran fey (laughs) i was totally off tune no 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 that was good but uh i appreciate it anyways you got you got Um, the gist you got the gist well honestly though is it really that bad of a trade? Because apparently they look a lot alike. I mean, and they fair. might be related. And you've got some hell to beatboxing on that. So how can you complain? <laughs> it was a win-win. I'm just shocked. I mean, he's still on my he's still on my white shoes, but now I'm thinking I should have. He dropped for my white shoes for the same exact reason, too. Yeah, but I remember he- this. This was wait, wait, but you brought him back. Did I? No. Yeah, He's you on did. Like the I'll, alternative. I, we have recorded evidence of you saying, I miss this man so much. He's back on the list. <laughs> but who did I take off the list? It was Cass. Yeah. You took Cass off Castile. the list. Castile. Castile. Not Cassian. Yeah. Interesting. Mm. Uh, we there we will leave it to you. Thank you for being <laughs> honest. <laughs> Our, the book talk fandom please keep us honest and tell us who's on bridges white shoes i feel like you guys know better than us at this point um also another one here is from our friend claudia she answered a few um and so we'll go through them here she said how she answered the question the age-old question how do you pronounce danica is it danica, danica. or <laughs> is it danica or, or danica? danica i know because you said it again and i was like oh my god in my head <laughs> Um, and she said, I always called it her called her Danica, but I've listened to your <laughs> Crescent City episode so many times that now my brain calls her Danica Danica. Thanks, Bridget. <laughs> You're welcome. I really like uh, that made me happy. A nice, a nice mix of the two. She also answered the question from the Ruthless Boys of the Zodiac book five. 
about the epilogue. How do you feel about Carson being the house husband? She said, I have mixed feelings. He was a great character growth, but at the same time, I hate how he was kind of forced into that role. He is the house husband by default since Elise and all the other guys have jobs. And he had to give up everything for what? For them? For his found family? But he didn't really have much to begin with. I I see you, and thank you for this feedback, Claudia, but I I feel like this is what he always secretly deep dark wanted. Like he had his gang, which was his family, but now he has his family family, and he took care of his gang, and this is his way of taking care of his family gang. I feel like it's- And is it changing sheets? Yes. I feel like the irony behind it is kind of fun. If they were going to play for laughs, they could have done a slightly better job of him being like, I scrub toilets all day. Like well, a you real guys housewife. get to go out. Yeah, well, you guys get to go out and have jobs and see people. I don't know. I mean, he did talk about the time, I mean, the sheets that he had to wash because his son was coming of age and at a time where we had to keep washing them sheets. To me, that I felt funny. Uh, but she also answered uh, from Zodiac Academy, book six, Fated Throne. Should Darcy have been mad at Orion to begin with? Do you think she forgave him too quickly? She answered, I got so frustrated with her because she couldn't see that he sacrificed himself for her. I just think this really highlights their age gap and how their age and maturity influences decisions and reactions. That was a good answer. So that was a great point. point. Great point. I feel like if I were your professor grading you in Zodiac Academy, I would say A+. plus. Thoughtful, insightful. Great and new accurate. perspective. Yeah. And accurate. You accurate. came with facts. And receipts. She also answered the question, what is the main reason Dane sucks so much? Because he's a blonde wannabe. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just thinking of Barbie and like he wants his like mojo dojo casa. <laughs> you know? uh, Dane is so- not Kenneth. He's not. <laughs> uh, so she answered, I wonder if he turned into an asshole because he was jealous of Violet obsessing over Zayden. She was clearly into Dane originally, but then dropped him like a hot potato when she met Zayden. Also, he like smothered her and kept trying to kick her out of the academy because he wanted to save her and protect her. I think he was getting jealous show. that he wasn't the yeah. main. I mean, to the point, like he was like, I'm not your be all end all. There's someone else that is catching your gaze and it's not me yeah no he just sucks he does suck i don't care how cute his fan art is see i'm not dumb and horny i know better i I was just about to say i mean it's tempting (laughs) again i'm not gonna throw him out of the bed but i'm not dumb and horny there's enough in this world for us to be dumb and horny over dane is not one of them dane's not one of them exactly of course we also so thank you all to our spotify questioners Questioners or Spotify listeners who jump onto the question of the week. You can find all of these plus new ones on um, Spotify every week. Also, want to give a quick shout out over to our listeners over on Apple. We have Momo Lolly. They came to us and said that they come they come to get the plots of the books that they are not going to read, but want the tea since it's all over their book talk. She's pretty satisfied, and we should have Josie from Fine Pairings on as a guest star based on her summary of Mortal Instruments. Now. Have we heard of Mortal Instruments? First yes, of all? it's the Shadowhunter series. Oh my god. Mortal Hunt Mortal uh, Instruments was my jam in like middle school. Really? We're so good. Wasn't and this they a TV show? A TV show what on Freeform. Cass- Cassandra Clare, is that her name? The yes. Name? Yeah. Oh. yeah. Oh, like I know of this. Throwback Wait, no, fantasy um, YA books. 
Wait, did they Claire. release? Oh, and the main character's name is Clary. That's why I was like, yeah, where's yeah, the Claire yeah. coming from? Yeah. Did they did they make another version of this? So there's a movie and it's Mortal Instruments and Lily from Emily in Paris. She's also in Home with Other Things. Lily James. Yes. Wasn't it? A long time ago. A like long a, time ago, long yeah. Time. And then they came out with the TV series on Freeform Shadowhunters. I think there ended up being a ton of books. I remember there being maybe yeah, there's a bunch. Three. Oh, there's wow. I know, I but there's like no. Five. I mean, when I was in, when we were young, yeah. I remember. Wow. I thought that I thought that like story ended, but I think there was like a way extended like yeah. universe of more books that came after that. Wow! Well, like, wow! Oh, Star I forgot Wars to say, Vivian's like books. a reader, reader, like way before 2020, Bridget got depression and jumped into Akatar. <laughs> yeah, I, I think it was like way before. 2020, the world shut down, and we all had nothing better to do than read the books. Yeah. So we all had depression. Yeah, 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 it's true. We all had depression. (laughs) Yeah, I um, I used to get genuinely scolded by my father. We would go out to dinner when I was in like when I was in like elementary school, middle school, because I'd bring a book and read it in my lap. He'd be like, "Can you not?" And my mom's like, "She's reading. Leave her alone." (laughs) I distinctly remember the summer of like. Maybe fourth grade and fifth grade, where I read almost every single Nancy Drew book. Like that was my day. I would just sit there and read all day. Yeah. I'm like, there's no greater pleasure. Too. No greater I read pleasure. A lot of the Babysitters Club. Oh yeah. Um, but yeah, being an adult and like having a job, and like trying to stay on top of like everything. You gotta have really, your books. Yeah, really cut back on reading. So thank you, COVID. Yeah, yes. the one See, shining I TV shows to start reading again. Like yeah. I can't tell you yeah. last time I finished an actual actual like TV show. No, because I've kept books back to on to my read. SVU Sunday marathons because this is good and it's spicy. What more can you want? So thank you Nothing. so much, Momo Lolly, for your review. We really appreciate it. And remember, the best way to support our podcast is to go to Apple. Um, review us, leave a rating. We really appreciate it. It helps us grow and find more book lovers like y'all. So, on that note, let's talk about what we are going next. We finished our our reporting coverage from war, and now we are going to actually take a quick interlude in the Four Horsemen book and segue over to a series we covered a couple months ago because a newest the newest book has dropped. So, if you're wondering what that was, I think we teased it last episode, but we're covering Throne of the Fallen by Carrie Menelesco. Menelesco. Um, Oh, Jesus. I think I did it last time. Gary Meniscalco, my apologies. Again, are we known for pronunciations? No. 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 This is not a strong suit. Gary Meniscalco. It's the second calco that I'm forgetting in my brain. Are we sure that's even how you say it? No, but it's not Manolesco. I've had a glass of wine. so We could just say? be wrong the entire time. Who can We're say? Just- all that to say, we can say that we are covering Throne of the Fallen next, and then we'll be back to finish out the Four Horsemen book. But we really liked her book series thus far, Kingdom of the Wicked, Kingdom of the Feared. Kingdom of the Cursed? There we go. I'm like, I know I'm missing yeah. a kingdom of something. So Throne of the Fallen is a separate series or a separate book. It's related back to the Kingdom of the Wicked Um Right. So the first three are completed. You can read that Mm -hmm. as a series in its own. And then this one, you meet another prince of, is it a prince of hell? Yeah. Another brother. Same world. There is some character crossover. Have you guys started yet? 
No, but yes. according to Hilda, it is very, very spicy. It is, it is spicy, y'all. It's spicy. Where am I? There's no there's no fade to black. Oh, thank God. Um, I feel like the Four Horsemen book could have been a little, little smuttier. I'm at 2%. <laughs> so okay. I clearly okay. haven't cut. I have okay. downloaded the book. And we're going to start it tonight. That is a vast improvement for you. Rude. <laughs> well, usually we're like 24 hours out from a recording. And she's like, I'm starting today. But then she's done. She gets through them. She Look, does. I follow her Goodreads, and all of a sudden she's got like seven books done. I'm like, what are you doing? You have two small children. Um, I learned um, audiobooks are the key to life, and sleep is for the week. For the week. Sleep is debatable. I, I, I know our friend listening with Britt listens to audiobooks a lot, too. And I've listened to a few myself, but I feel like I've always – I, I can't I'm- do fantasy on audiobooks because there's so much world building that I need to be mm-hmm. paying attention. I do more like romance on you audiobooks. See, this is the thing. I them. don't feel I could listen to like a a man retelling of like open your mouth and take it like a good girl as I'm like doing the dishes or like folding the laundry. You know, like I don't think I can do that. That's when I, I start buffering and I'm like, oh, <laughs> here's my task that I'm doing. I think I would just stop. <laughs> That's usually what happens. I just stop and I'm like, and scene and continue. <laughs> oh my god, my kids are gonna think I like short circuit. I'm like, shh, 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 shh. I'm listening. <laughs> All so right, fun. guys. Well, we thank Vivian so much for being a part of the podcast. We hope it was just as unhinged as it appears to you normally. Loved it. Wonderful. We're so happy you enjoyed it and got a taste of war and maybe you'll continue. We'll have to see. Maybe you can answer some of these qu- the Spotify questions of the week for us. Maybe you'll find <laughs> famine sexy. I don't know. Like, you know, famine is like great. some like, I picture him like a grunged out skinny boy rock band. Like a heroin chic yeah, 90s model. like emo with like an emo skinny weird boy haircut. thing. Yes. With the famine. Mm. She was a skater boy, or he was a skater boy. She yeah. probably means he has like a twelve pack then. Well, yeah, and a very, very big. But they're all ribs. That's <laughs> see, that's what I thought Hilda was going to say. She was, he's got a big twelve pack, and I was like, oh, <laughs> not what I was going to say. Twelve inch dick. That's what we thought you were going to say. They're called the horsemen for a reason. <laughs> Horsemen. No, no, we're the horsemen. <laughs> They're the horse hung like a horseman. <laughs> and I wish you guys could see the visual of me just, just <laughs> dangling my arm from the elbow down. That's actually, that's I know. Because uh, again, it's like, where is this going? Fingertip to elbow. Oh my God. That, that goes straight up to my throat. That would spear me straight when through. They can't. When they can't put their hands around it, their fingers barely touch. Because they have the little baby hands. <laughs> I'm always like, are you talking about like one, like when you stack them, or are you talking about like like this? Like holding my mic? I wish you guys could see the visuals of I'll the like, three of them. Right imagine now. The, us doing Wait, like our hands. hands. <laughs> <laughs> it was over here choking up her mic. <laughs> This is my favorite podcast. It's a good technique. (laughs) Don't forget your lumen. (laughs) Oh, gosh, guys. Thank you for joining us and sticking through it this far because, you know, we're always going to keep it 100. We're going to keep it 100% unhinged as always. (laughs) 
All right. That's it from us tonight. And we'll see you next time <laughs> when we <laughs> cover uh, Carrie Menescalo's Throne of the Falling. <laughs> okay. Good night. Bye. 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 <laughs>